Welcome, friends. I'm Reverend Tim Earhart, and this is Daily Bible Reflections for February 25, 2024. Today's Gospel lesson is from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. Saints, Sinners, and Sacrifice Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. New Revised Standard Version Saintly Sinners and Sinning Saints People cannot be separated easily into the categories of saints or sinners. We are much more like saintly sinners or sinning saints. If we look closely, everyone is, at the same time, both beautiful and hideous, holy and depraved, full of faith and full of fear. And when it comes to the church, it is both the place of spiritual sensitivity toward others as well as a den of decadent, self-interested individuals. So anyone searching for a church or a community that is a nice, clean, upward path of success with everything done to perfection, with no one ever being hurt or unhappy, will be sorely disappointed such an organization or institution does not exist, and it never did. Yet, with that reality in mind, Jesus stands right alongside imperfect people, despite all their flaws, shallowness, and self-interest. Jesus is very well acquainted with people's damaged emotions and open, putrid spiritual abscesses. Yet Christ treats everyone with mercy. Jesus never tires of rehabilitating and reforming. Christ's disciple, Peter, is the poster child for humanity's mix of faith and failure. He stepped out of a boat in great faith and walked on the water, only to begin sinking because of his great fear. It was Peter who made a bold and right confession of faith, and then turned around and bought into a satanic agenda. Yet Jesus was right there, next to Peter all the way. Christ both rebukes and loves, all the while never abandoning us, 
but always working in and through us to accomplish good and right purposes. The bald fact of the matter is that following Jesus involves pain and sacrifice. That's the reality of living in a broken, mixed-up world. What's more, Christ's church is still imperfect and in the process of becoming holy. So, if we will admit it, we are all like Peter, a little devil who needs to get in line behind Jesus. Everyone gets frustrated or disgusted with church, or really any consistent gathering of people. It's easy to complain and even avoid others. It's much harder to take up our cross and lose our life for the sake of Christ and others. We truly can choose to put love where love is not, even when we do not feel loved. Imagine that your family has gathered for a holiday. Everyone's together, but you are struggling with tiredness and anger. Your spouse is sulking. Your teenage kids don't want to be there. You worry about your aging parent, and you're anxious about whether your crazy uncle is going to be nice or go on some weird political rant. You want to be present to celebrate the holiday. Your family is anything but a Hallmark card. Everyone's hurts and hang-ups are not far from the surface. But you are together for a reason, to celebrate and experience joy. It may be a twisted human version of togetherness and spirituality, but it's still a foretaste of the heavenly banquet that is to come. So you deal with it all and find some peace and satisfaction, transcending the carnal and experiencing the sacred. In much the same way, the church gathers together in an imperfect way, a crazy mix of sinner and saint, but we gather in and around Jesus, and that makes all the difference. There's a reason for doing this that is bigger than all our dysfunctional ways and dyspeptic attitudes. Jesus Christ is building his church, and he will keep it going until the end of the age. Fellow saints and sinners, Jesus is not finished with us yet. The sacrifice of Jesus is needed. Jesus openly stated that it is necessary for him to suffer deeply and die a cruel death. It's God's plan. But Peter didn't like that plan at all. So he took Jesus aside and rebuked him, believing Jesus to be off his rocker for even suggesting such a terrible scenario. Jesus, however, turned the tables on Peter and rebuked him right back because being Christ-centered without being cross-centered is satanic. Peter presumed to know what was best for Jesus. He believed the suffering of the cross would never happen. Peter's perceptions were dim and limited. He did, he did not see the reality of how the world truly is and that Jesus needed to offer himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the entire planet. Sometimes, like Peter, we may believe that the way I see and the way I perceive is the way things really are, 
or at least how I think they should be. Peter had been walking with Jesus for a few years, watching and enjoying him. It was all good. So in his mind, it should never change. Why try and fix something that isn't broken? Oh my, but broken the world is. Just because it was good for Peter did not mean it was good for everybody or should always be this way. If Peter had his way, we would likely all be in hell. We, like Peter, are finite humans with limited understanding and perceptions. One can easily slip into a satanic mode of believing that because something is going fine for me, that everyone else is doing okay too. I like it. I want it. So what's the problem? The problem is that we too easily view life through selfish lenses. In such a state, we fail to see other people's needs, perceive a lost world with any sense of reality, understand that Jesus has an agenda different from our own. Our limited perceptions come out in saying things such as, Oh, she's just depressed because she's avoiding responsibility. People on government welfare are lazy. He's addicted because he doesn't want to help himself. They're picketing because they're a bunch of malcontents. Statements like those are legion and betray a satanic worldview devoid of grace. It's a compulsive need to find blame. It's a belief that if there's personal suffering, there must be personal sin. We belong to one human family, and therefore we are all in this life together. One person's joys are our joys. One person's struggles are our struggles. The detachment we can have toward other humans is completely foreign to the words of Jesus. The Christian life always involves suffering. And Jesus invites us to follow him in his way of sacrifice. The sacrifice of Christ's followers is needed. There is a way to reverse a satanic agenda and demonic thinking. And that is by self-denial. Jesus issue, issued an invitation to fall in line behind him and walk with him in his suffering. Self-denial is not so much doing something like giving up chocolate for Lent. Rather, it's giving up on ourselves as our own masters. It's a decision to make the words and ways of Jesus the guiding direction for life. It's the choice to quit holding on to the way I believe things ought to be and take the time to listen to Jesus. The logic of Jesus is relentless. Life comes through death. We give up our lives to find life. It's unhelpful to adulterate our lives by serving the gods of success and perfectionism. Jesus invites us to quit our moonlighting job with the world and go all in with him. In this way, we find abundant life. Jesus was encouraging not only submission to suffering, but also an embrace of suffering. 
In doing so, we find reward and joy. For those familiar with this path, suffering is a blessing. In walking this road, they find the true purpose and meaning of life. Few people suffered as much as the 19th century missionary medical doctor to Africa, David Livingston. He was a pioneer explorer who opened up the interior of Africa to the outside world. He had two reasons for doing so, to take the good news of Christ's suffering to the African people and to open Africa to legitimate trade so that the illicit slave trade would end. Dr. Livingston's hand was bitten and maimed by a lion. His wife died while on the mission field. The one house he built was destroyed in a fire. He was often racked with dysentery and fever or some other illness in the jungle. Someone once commented to him that he had sacrificed a lot for following Jesus. His response was, Sacrifice? The only sacrifice is to live outside the will of God. When asked what helped him get through the hardship, he said, the words of Jesus to take up my cross are always ringing in my ears. We may mistakenly believe that we must watch out for ourselves, push for our personal preferences, that if I accept the invitation to follow Jesus in the way of self-denial, I will be miserable and people will walk all over me. Those thoughts are merely demonic whispers in the ear. There are two differing ways of thinking and acting. One is the way of success, perfection, a pain-free life as the evidence of God's working. And the other is the way of suffering, as right and necessary in order to connect with God and be in solidarity with those who suffer. Suffering rejection, and execution did not fit into Peter's church growth plan. But according to Jesus, we do not exist only for ourselves, to be in some sort of spiritual country club. We exist to follow Jesus in his path of sacrifice and suffering for a world of people who desperately need to know the grace of forgiveness and the mercy of Christ. Since Jesus died, we are to die to ourselves. Since Christ lives, we are to live a new life. In God's upside-down kingdom, joy comes through suffering. We follow Jesus as the mix of sinner and saint that we are. Amen.